This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund. I'm Suyuno Amos. I'm Kenji Cataldo. Today we're speaking with Auntie Joan Lander from Namaka Oka'aina and Emma Broderick from Pu'uhonua Society about the Ho'omao Namaka Oka'aina cataloging and public programming project. Pu'uhonua Society is committed to community, the arts, and Native Hawaiian culture through public programming. In their Ho'omao Namaka Oka'aina project, Pu'uhonua Society is working with Auntie Joan to catalog and organize the vast collection of video reels that she and Puhi Pau produced over their decades producing documentaries at Namaka Oka'aina. In this interview with Auntie Joan and Emma from November, we heard about this rich archive of unreleased footage that will ultimately be housed for public access at the Ulu'ulu Moving Image Archive. Okay, so today we are speaking with Emma Broderick and Auntie Joan Lander, and we're talking about um, the work of Namaka Oka'aina and how it's now under this umbrella of Pu'uhonua Society. Maybe you both could just start by introducing yourselves and then um, give us a little intro about Pu'uhonua Society and Namaka Oka'aina and the whole story of just, you know, how, how things came to be, how your work came together. Auntie, I follow your lead. <laughs> mahalo, mahalo. I'm Joan Lander of Namaka Oka'aina uh, with my partner Puhi Pau, uh, who passed away in 2016. Uh, we founded Namaka Oka'aina back in 1981, I believe, informally. And then in the years after that, we incorporated into a regular um, uh, organization. And uh, since then, we've been doing documentary and educational programming. We have about 99 programs, edited programs on our that we distribute currently on our website. I keep saying we because I feel like Pui Pao is still with us. <laughs> but um, And they span the range from uh, environmental uh, subjects to um, art, music, and dance to cultural history. <clears throat> And the all-important subject of uh, independence and sovereignty, which was probably our main uh, subject over the years. And uh, after Pui Pao passed away, um, I was kind of like wondering, well, I knew that eventually all of our collection uh, consisting of us, about 6,500 videotapes, <laughs> we've recounted, um, would have to be archived, would have to be preserved for posterity. And uh, fortunately, we helped found Ulu'ulu, the moving image archive of Hawaii, back in the uh, <clears throat> late 90s. And, um, and now it's up and going, and so uh, our collection will eventually move over there. Uh, but I didn't want to quite let it go yet because uh, it needs to be cataloged, and um, things need to be not, if not digitized, at least made in order uh, to be part of a collection so that it's searchable. People won't be wondering what's on the tape, <clears throat> on the different tapes and stuff. So um, fortunately, uh, uh, Sancia Nash, Sancia Shiba Nash uh, came 
knocking at my door back in uh, about three years ago and said she'd like to volunteer her efforts to help me in whatever way she can, could. And so we started digitizing our logs and transcripts because I thought, well, <clears throat> I can't really digitize video anymore. I was able to digitize video for a while, but all of a sudden my equipment stopped working. So I thought, well, at least I can digitize the logs and transcripts, which are the guides to what's on the tapes. And uh, so she helped me with that. Um, I sent her big binders full of logs and transcripts, and she scanned them and put them through optical character recognition software and turned them into searchable Word documents, which she then uploaded the Dropbox, and then I downloaded them, and then I went through them with a fine-tooth comb to make sure that everybody who's on the tape was identified correctly, where it was shot, the location, the date, um, and the subject matter of the videotape. So I felt like I was doing quite a bit of work in then, even though I wasn't actually digitizing videotapes. Although <laughs> from time to time I would digitize um, because somebody would come to me, uh, another producer or a member of a family of somebody uh, who's on the tapes and they wanted footage. So um, long story short, Pu'uhonua Society came on board and started helping me out with getting the proper equipment to digitize tapes and to keep digitizing the logs and transcripts. So now we're full on <laughs> uh, doing what I should have been doing for, for the last few years, but we're, we're trying to catch up and get everything ready. The main point of all this um, nerdy talk is that uh, when you shoot video, for a documentary or a program, what ends up is that only one-tenth or less of what you shoot goes in the edited program. So we have tons of footage of interviews with beautiful people who are, have some have passed by now, who are experts in their various fields, who have um, the wisdom and the knowledge of their of their uh, skills and their knowledge of history and everything to share. And not all of that made it into our edited programs. So now we can make all that footage available. Now, um, I say I've been digitizing the logs and transcripts. So even before I digitized the videotapes, <clears throat> those logs and transcripts can be read and researched by scholars or by members of the family whose um, family members are on the tapes and stuff like that. So, so even though I might not in my lifetime digitize all our 6,000 plus tapes, um, at least I know that uh, the guides to those tapes, the logs and transcripts and a catalog will, uh, will be good guides to finding out what's on the tapes. And then of course the whole collection will be deposited at Ulu Ulu, the moving image archive of Hawaii. And in fact, it's going to go over in phases. You know, I'm starting with the uh, the early three quarter inch videotapes that we shot back in the '80s. Then we had to change to Betacam, and then in the in the 2000s, we had to change to digital. And it's just been one long continuum of of, of changing the paradigm and the, uh, the 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 basic technology that you work with. So uh, I feel that I feel good right now because Puuonua has really um, <clears throat> recognized the worth of what's on the videotapes. And up until now, they just sat on our shelves gathering dust, completely hidden from view. And now all that precious mana'o can come out into the light of day and be seen by the people 
who are on the tapes and their families. And then the researchers, the um, students are interested in the various subject matter. Um, they can all have access to the tapes. So I, I feel like uh, <laughs> a big burden has been lifted from my shoulders, even though there's plenty of work to do yet. But to have such great partners as the Pu'uhonua Society to help, it really, really makes a difference. So with that, I will bow to Emma Broderick. <laughs> oh, Auntie, you, yeah, you bring us um, purpose and you give us uh, a reason. So, uh, yeah, just so grateful. Um, Aloha mai, vilina mai, e na kupa aina, na kupuna, na poe aloha aina, o vau Emma Broderick. Uh, he keiki vau ke kahakai kaulana o kailua. Aka nae he makua vau ke awava o kalihilihi o laumiha, me kamakani o hau peepee, me ka ua o koilipilipi. Um, I'm so grateful to, to be here today. Um, many generations, many lifetimes in the making. Um, I am here supporting the work of Pu'uhonua Society at the request of my mother. Because when your mother asks for help, you say yes. <laughs> so here I am. Um, Pu'uhonua Society is... Um, is the work of my mother, is the work of my grandmother, is the work of my great-grandfather. In 1914, my great-grandfather, uh, Noah Webster Aluli, alongside Prince Jonakuhio and others, started the Ahui Pu'uhonua Ona Hawaii. And at that time, they were really focused on not becoming extinct. Extinction was what they were worried about. And they really used the lens of understanding our legal rights at a really pivotal time in our history um, to ensure that we Hawaiians remained on Hawaiian land. Um, 1972, my grandmother, of who I'm named after, Emma Akana Aluli Meyer, uh, started Young of Heart Workshop and Gallery in Kailua. Seven young kids um, really focused on bringing art, creative expression in the form of making and exhibits and gatherings um, in Kailua, where my ohana lived at the time and where I was raised. And come to 1996, my mother changed the name from Young of Heart Workshop and Gallery to Pu'uhonua Society, in a lot of ways linking the work of my grandmother and my great-grandfather and really bringing together the focus of art and our creative practices and our cultural practices with justice. Um, and so I'm so grateful to get to continue the work today and to have um, people like Auntie Joan who are so dedicated and have been so dedicated for so long to get to support, to get to ho'omau namakookaina. Um, that's, that's why we exist. Um, so it's been such a joy um, getting to do this work. And there's a lot more to say, but perhaps I'll stop there for now. Yeah, mahalo for those introductions and for starting to share about this work. I mean, it's really such... Uh, an incredible archive that you've that you and uh, Puhi Pao built, Auntie Joan, and uh, such an incredible legacy. And I'm so glad to hear that all of this kind of unglamorous, <laughs> gritty, you know, like nitty gritty, you know, technical work is being done right now to make sure that that will continue to be accessible for future generations. I know I from the 
a few of the edited programs that I've seen, um, just what a you know valuable, um, what valuable insight they offer into into those movements, into those those days of the movement, um, and I can only imagine what is also included in that other ninety percent that you mentioned doesn't make it in. You know, you started to share a little bit about um, some of the stories or the um, places, the movements that are that were covered in some of this um, in this footage. But I'm wondering if there are any particular ones you'd like to to talk about, you know, to give our listeners, if they haven't had a chance to watch any of Namako Oka'aina, you know, any of the programs, to give a sense of what um, what really that documentary work is is all about. Uh, if there are any examples you might like to highlight. Well, you know, people kind of associate Namako Oka'aina with um, radical type uh, <laughs> programming and stuff. And uh, But I always like to... Sh- to share that we um, we also did a lot of cultural programming for the Department of Education. And we did uh, programs on surfing, on feather work, on lay making, on all kinds of things because it was a series for the, um, the early, the elementary school kids. And uh, Pui Pao just loved that because he, we were able to show the um, the skills and the wisdom and, and uh, everything of the Hawaiian people, and uh, and 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 Pui Pao grew up in a time when to be Hawaiian was to be ashamed of being Hawaiian. He remembers all the Hawaiians sitting in the back of the classrooms, and uh, I think that in helping to produce these programs, he was bringing out uh, a new pride. Uh, among among the Hawaiians, um, this is back in the '80s. Now, remember, <laughs> and uh, I, I think he was really happy to to be able to work on on programs that showed the skills and the and the uh, the the, <clears throat> the superior uh, <laughs> skills and wisdom and everything of the Hawaiian uh, people. So um, so I like to point that out that this we, these 20 minute programs we did back in the '80s are not to be forgotten. Um, but then at the same time, we were also doing um, issue-oriented programs. I mean, things would just fall into our laps. All of a sudden, there was a geothermal issue. They were going to develop the rainforest over on the big island for geothermal. So we had to do <laughs> a program about Pele, and uh, and that turned into Pele's Appeal. And we, and we worked with uh, – we always were working with a community organization. We never – really went out on our own to cover something. So we worked with the Pele Defense Fund on that. And then <clears throat> Kaho Olave, lots of issues with that. We worked with the Kaho, Kaho Olave Ohana to do a program on uh, uh, all the efforts made to bring that island back. And that was incredible, going over to the island and... <clears throat> I was going to say trying to step around the unexploded ordinance, <laughs> but... Um, uh, and then, let's see, uh, and then the Hawaiian language people were starting to come to the fore back then. They were starting the Pu'uhonu, uh, the Ahapunanaleo um, uh, uh, classrooms. And so we did a lot of Hawaiian language programming. And then, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden, 1993 was looming on the horizon, you know, back in, and then two years before we said, oh, we better be ready with a program about the overthrow because the 100 year anniversary is coming up. So we actually went and um, see all this time, 
when an issue would come up, uh, we would just drop everything. And because we owned our own equipment, thanks in part to the Hawaii People's Fund, <laughs> who had given us a loan back in the early 80s to purchase equipment, but then we went on from there to purchase newer equipment. But um, we were able, because we owned our own equipment, we were able to drop everything and just run out with the camera and cover whatever had to be covered, especially evictions. We covered several evictions that were, were all last minute. So as I said, up until then, we had been um, producing programming with or without funding. If we didn't have funding, we had our equipment and, we, and it didn't cost that much to buy videotape. And so we were able to go out and jump, jump out and do a lot, of, a lot of our early programs that we weren't getting paid to do by the Department of Education or, or um, by a community group had raised, who had raised grant money or something. We were doing for nothing. So we thought for the uh, 1993, the anniversary of the overthrow, that um, there was this new entity called the Independent Television Service, which had been formed uh, in 1990, I guess, and, uh, and they would put out an RFP for proposals. So we said, well, let's put in a grant application. You know, we know that there's going to be 10,000 other independent producers throughout the United States who are going to jump on this because it's the first time that <clears throat> the Corporation for Public Broadcasting had made funding available to independent producers. So we knew we we're gonna. There was gonna be stiff competition. So when, when we, so we blue skied it. We just put in. We just itemized everything in this budget that people usually did for free. You know that we do for free, or that people that we work with do for free. You know, and we just itemized everybody's um, expenses, and then we ended up getting getting the grant. So uh, anyway, so now all of a sudden we're for, we're forced to um, perform. <laughs> <laughs> and to make it all worthwhile, this public money going to Namakuokaina. So we did actually spend a lot of time on that production. It was probably the first time we actually um, just concentrated on production quality and uh, doing dramatic reenactments. <clears throat> and we spent a lot of time researching. And we took a train across the United States and shot out the window to recreate the journey that Lili Okalani had taken after she was... Um, deposed and just uh and we pay people to produce uh, uh our props and stuff for our dramatic reenactments and and we hired costumes we rented costumes and we hired we rented guns for the the u.s marines to carry <laughs> when we were doing the reenactment of the troops landing in honolulu so it was just wonderful to work with a budget <laughs> just amazing then i would say after that we did a few other uh, programs about the, the water issue in Waihole, um, bringing back the water, um, a few more things for the Hawaiian language community. And then the big issue was Mauna Kea. And we spent a good six years doing that documentary because <clears throat> there was so much going on that we had to cover and also we wanted to we wanted to cover not only the people's uh, reactions to development on uh, on on the mountain but we also wanted to just paint a portrait of the mountain as a natural phenomenon <clears throat> so we wanted to shoot in all uh, all times of year every season of the year we wanted to shoot from ground level looking up and from the summit looking down and uh so we took our time producing that too so that was i would say that was another one of our <clears throat> 
more um, produced programs. So, uh, and then we did uh, a couple more on uh, the issue of uh, the Kahlo and uh, genetic um, engineering of Kahlo and the, the need to perpetuate the Hawaiian varieties of Kahlo. And, uh, and we did some programs on the artists, the emerging artists, and, uh, and, then, and then it kind of all stopped. <laughs> so now we're faced with saving all this footage, and, uh, and that's my, um, my work has been cut out for me until I die to uh, categorize, catalog, and digitize our uh, library. Auntie, you gotta talk about Aupua fish ponds and lo'i. <laughs> how could I forget? Because you got a hundred plus educational programs. That's how you could forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of the biggies from uh, back around the time we were doing Kaholawe, and I mean, like the '80s were just chock full. We had like several programs we were producing uh, simultaneously. But Ahupua'a fish ponds and lo'i, uh, we did with Nalani Minton producing, and we went to five islands, um, interviewing cultural experts on growing kalo, on managing fish ponds, and just the whole concept of the Ahupua'a. And we worked very closely with Marion Kelly, who was an anthropologist with the University of Hawaii. And uh, boy, that was, you know, in all of our productions, um, we were learning. We were going out and learning. We didn't know what was going to be coming up. I mean, there's so many times when in, uh, producers are taught to go out, research, write a treatment, write a script, and then go after your funding. And then you go back out and shoot it. And, and Pui Pao and I thought, forget that. <laughs> we're going to go out and start shooting right away. You know, So you capture everything. There's so many times if you interview a kupuna, one, you know, like in May, and then you go get the funding to do a program and you come back in like October, um, you're not going to get the same response from that kupuna as you did the first time around. So we want to get people's mana'o the first time they're saying it. And, uh, and, and, and also, because we had our own equipment, we had the freedom to, to shoot, to just shoot, shoot, shoot. You know, Pui Pao said videotape is the, is the cheapest part of the, of the budget. So let's just roll tape, roll tape. And sometimes <laughs> we'd be shooting scenics for some other program while we were going on our way to do an interview with somebody in Hana Maui about, about fish ponds or something. So, um, yeah. And, and there was a recent event, right, at Native Books yeah. that was showing some of that footage? Yeah, we decided to, um, with Sansia's help, we decided to... Uh, start with that collection, the Ahupua'a Fish Ponds and Lo'i project, um, because we had shot on five islands and there was tons and tons of footage that never made it into the finished program. So we decided to start not only uh, taking care of the logs and transcripts and digitizing those, but also to digitize the actual footage. And let's bring this footage out and show it to the public. And that's what Pu'uhonua so beautifully helped out with. They, they could, they were, I mean, like exhibitions are their, their thing, you know? And, uh, and there's been like three different points now where this footage has, has been um, exhibited and uh, people can search the uh, logs and transcripts to find out uh, where, what they want to look at. And, 
And we actually showed unedited footage, which, you know, in, in, uh, in the old days, we used to say, never show your client unedited footage <laughs> because it's going to be boring or there's going to be mistakes and there's going to be take twos and take threes and take fours. But we, we started showing the unedited footage to audiences and they were just glued to the screen <laughs> because um, there's something about just going, uh, say, to the Rapoons farm on the windward side and just being with them for two and a half hours as they do their work, as they plant kalo, as they harvest kalo, as they dig up their sweet potatoes, as they, and you just hear the sounds of the birds and the sound of the stream coming through the awai and, and the kids playing in the lo'i and stuff. And it's just, uh, it's a whole new way of, um, of viewing footage. You're not, watch, you're not watching a program that's just cut every three seconds, you know, with visuals. Like you, like we do normally. <laughs> so I think there's something to be said. And because when I sit in this edit room, and I watch raw footage, I just I'm just eating up every second of it. It's just amazing. And in fact, it's hard to edit programs and to do away to edit out the stuff that you just love in the interest of time, because you have to produce a 57 minute program for one hour on PBS. You know, you're just constantly cutting out good things and and. And, you know, back in, in the day, we, we'd say, well, can't we produce a 90-minute program for PBS? You know, because especially with the overthrow, the act of war, the overthrow of the Hawaiian nation, there was so much history to be told. And we said, can't we produce a 90-minute program? And they said, oh, no, no. You have to be a big-time producer to, to even ask for something like 90 minutes, you know. But now there's 90-minute programs on PBS all the time in two hours, not to mention Ken Burns, you know, who has 14-hour series and stuff. So anyway, uh, so I, I, uh, I love the fact that the raw footage is coming out and being seen. And now with the go when it all goes to Uluulu and they digitize everything, they, of course, will make it available to anybody who wants to see it, researchers, family members. And you can sit at home in the comfort of your pajamas and, 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 and request to watch this unedited footage. You know, and it's just to me, it's just wonderful. I really love what you shared about the way that this unedited footage um, creates a different way of being with the with the material that you've that you've captured um and i guess i could probably guess or come up with an answer in my mind but i'm very curious to hear you know from you in your own words what is the power of not only the first part of going out and capturing and sharing these stories but now this other phase of um archiving all of this material what is the importance of that to you mm. Just the fact that it's going to be seen, most especially by the, the people who are in the tapes, most of whom have never seen all the stuff we shot of them. They only saw what was in the edited program. And even <laughs> and even that, a lot of them haven't seen the edited programs, even though we provided VHS tapes to them of the programs back in the day. But um, no, I think it's just mostly just making 6,000, the footage, the footage that's on 6,000 tapes available for anybody and anybody who wants to watch them. It's a, it's a, a educational resource unlike any, anything else. Anything you want to say, Amada? 
Oh, there, there's so much there. Um, I did want to say, Auntie Joan, that your process is such a righteous process. And I think when, when we use the words publicly accessible, that can mean so many different things. Um, a lot of people consider publicly accessible being online somewhere. Um, and I think one of the things that you've really taught me throughout this process is the importance of sharing these mo'olelo and returning this ike back to the aina um, and the places and the families and the people from which it came and how in that process of starting from those places um, and amplifying out from there, you ensure that um, the process is pono. And I, I think that that's such an important thing that's not acknowledged, you know, through any grant or through any funder or isn't required, but is just the level of excellence at which you operate and at, at which you have always, um, you and Puhipao, and, and just really how Namakokaina has gone through the work that it's done for 40 plus years. So, you know, um, it's not by chance that we ended up sharing Ahupua'a fish ponds and lo'i at Native Books, at Arts and Letters, and at Key Project um, in Kahalu'u and at Koa Gallery in the presence of Le'ahi. Um, you know, those are the places from which this footage came. And being able to reach out to first, the first people that you reached out to was those filmed. Just letting them know what you were up to and returning back to them the footage in a very personal, you know, hand-given way. Um, I just, to me, that process was such, like, oh, I just was like, th thank you for letting me be a part of this, you know. And and the, the incredible thing about all of these ohana, um, you know, Charlie and Paul Rapun, Kyoki Fukumitsu, um, Frank Kawai Kapo Kalani Hewitt, all of these guys are still doing this work. <laughs> they are just as passionate, if not more, um, 40 years later. You know, I was being born when you were filming this footage. So to me, it's just so inspiring. Again, really activating the Ho'omau piece that um, if we don't know what's happened in the past, then, then we'll never know what's to come. And, and we can't ground our actions in a way that feels real and honors what's come before. So, you know, you have so honored these kupuna. Um, they're all kupuna now. You've so honored them by really, um, you've honored them by really giving their voice uh, amplification and continuing to acknowledge that they might not be in their 20s or 30s or 40s anymore, but they're still doing really, really important work. So I've just been so grateful to get to witness how impactful it's been for those filmed 30 years ago to now be asked to sit on a talk story panel after watching themselves, you know, and, and, to, and oh my goodness, so special to have um, Uncle Charlie, you know, with his son, who at the time was probably like one or two years old, who now just had his first child, um, you know, Uncle Charlie Rapoon and now Nick Rapoon. And, and he's 
there's Nick at Kakooivi. You know, it's like the seeds were planted and they were planted um, very firmly. So I think it's important that we recognize the continuity in the work that we're doing and that we really call it out explicitly and continue to invite those kupuna um, back into the conversation because they've got plenty to say and I'm, I have a lot to learn. So I feel like I, I learned more in, you know, a few months than I could have in a lifetime just by how much work you folks put in. So yeah, publicly accessible looks like a lot of things to a lot of people, but you've really done um, a pono thing in how you've returned the footage. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. I like that term amplification. That's good. Because I, th I feel like our footage, um, it's almost like digitizing the old newspapers and, and coming across a, an old story about uh, fish hooks or something from, from Maui or something. You know, you just, um, it, it's just a resource, a research resource that's, uh, that's, that's very big and very important to to save. And I might add, we've, we've got to really step it up because videotape doesn't last forever and neither do the machines that play them. So in fact, every time I put a, a tape in the, in the machine and, and push the button to start digitizing and I'm, I'm filled with angst because I'm going, is this tape going to play or is the machine going to break down or, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's fraught with all kinds of problems. I feel like, you know, this is a conversation we could really sink into and luxuriate in for a while, but I know we're coming close to um, time. Um, so I just wanted to, I guess, open up a space for anything we haven't touched on yet that maybe you still wanted to share for our listeners um, or anything else that you wanted to touch on before we close. Well, I, I wouldn't be here except for Puhipao. I just want to, I just want to um, say that he was first of all my passport into the Hawaiian culture. There's things I never ever would have learned if he hadn't been by my side teaching me. Um, I consider the fact that uh, my my role with Naumako Okaina was to help him produce the stories that he wanted to tell, and I feel, and that justified my existence in a, in a Hawaiian organization, being a non-Hawaiian. And I feel that um, the uh, outside producers, and when I say outside, I'm, you know, even though I've been here since 1970, I consider myself an outsider to the culture. And I think other people in my position who want to help so much, you, you want to do, you want to help the <laughs> do things for, to rectify the injustices and to bring the Hawaiian kingdom back and to bring the Hawaiian people back to a status that they had, you know. Um, but, but, you know, but, you know, you know, inwardly, I know that I'm, um, my point of view is not important. And the way I present information, it shouldn't really be the way it's done. It, it, anybody in my position, I think, should go to work. If you want to do something, Go to a Hawaiian and say, "How can I help?" And then, um, and then, and, and a lot of times they'll need your help. They'll need your professional help, and they'll say, "Yeah, go for it." A lot of times, um, people would criticize um, a Hawaii team that covered an eviction on Kauai, and Puipa would say, 
Well, were you there with a camera to capture it? They were, and they helped out to save this this story for the for the for the for the future and to and to, and to broadcast it. So, um, so I just feel that uh, it's always touchy talking about these things, but I I just feel that um, I'm so grateful to Pui Pao for bringing me uh, into his life, for teaching me so much that I still haven't learned <laughs> being hard-headed <laughs> and, uh, and for, for letting me help him tell his stories. I just wanted to make sure that that got out. Mahalo Puhipao. <laughs> I so appreciate the way that you, um, const the way that you constantly and continuously acknowledge source I'm so grateful for your and Puhi Pao's love, Auntie Joan, because, I mean, love, like, then comes the unlikely allies, you know? Then comes the collaborations. Um, so I just, yeah, I continue to be really, really inspired um, by what your love for one another and for Hawaii and for Hawaiians and for all of those who love love this place, uh, what what that aloha has continued to do for for so many generations. Um, I think it's a really important lesson for my generation and the, and those coming up to just be reminded that there's a source from which from which we came and which we draw, and to always acknowledge that. Um, really changes the way that we do our work. So I just, yeah, I just had a few more thoughts of things that came up as we were talking. And one was about this conversation about unedited footage because people have continuously been confused by it. Um, and I think for me, the kind of clearest way to understand um, the importance of unedited footage is to think about having an opportunity to sit at the foot of your kupuna and the feet of your, to sit at the feet of your kupuna and just to listen uninterrupted to just whatever they have to say. And don't you dare cut them off, right? We were, you just got to let them go. And you can't ask for the footnotes, which is something I'm still working on. You can't just say, get to the point. And that's what we do when we edit. We just get to the point and we assume that that whatever process took it took us to get there isn't important. And I think that's similar to acknowledging our source. If we lose our process, we lose it. We lose it all. So I just think that emphasis on that Auntie Joan, that Pu'uhonua Society, that Sansia Mi'alashi Banash, that my mother, that we all trust and recognize that Hawaii and that our communities here are ready to receive this and we trust that we'll know they will know what to do with it and I think it's really important to talk about Sansia as a filmmaker that you know she isn't necessarily the person who understands the archiving practice the best she's not a life she's not a trained librarian but she understands the creative practice of telling stories and so in her working alongside auntie joan she's also telling stories um 
telling stories of now. And she, she's part of a collaboration with my brother, Drew, called Kikahi Vahi, in which they weave together old footage with new footage to tell stories of Hawaii's history and of what's happening right now. So I think there's something really incredible when when those of today are shown and are able to hear things from before and aren't given it in a way that feels like you cannot access it or you cannot alter it or it's holier than thou, but that it's ours to create and to recreate and to retell and to re-inspire um, as is needed in the present time. So I just can't wait to see what happens 40 years from now, because who knows once, once people have this footage again, and once people are able to, um, like I, I have a two-year-old daughter, I can't wait to show her these films and the conversations that will come up. And who knows, she'll be seeing them with different eyes. So I just think that this, this project of, um, this project of Ho'omauna Makoka'aina is not only a labor of love, but it's also a, a trust building practice that we trust that others will know what to do. Um, when, when the time comes, we trust that they will use the footage in, in ways that are, are righteous, just as, as the practice and the process of it being gathered was a Pono practice. So um, this is, this is to me, this is a project, this is a labor of love that is huge. And on a bad day, <laughs> on a bad day, it's very intimidating, but on a good day, it's unbelievably inspiring. So, um, Auntie Joan, you're so, you're so, um, you always acknowledge Puhipao and you always acknowledge your source. And so I just think that if you're still busting butt, I'm like over here thinking, okay, I better be busting butt too, you know? <laughs> so to the Kupuna who just keep on keeping on. Um, and it is so, I think it's important to say, and sometimes I forget to say this, but it's so not a blood thing. People think that it's about being Hawaiian. It's not, it's an aloha thing. If you have aloha for this place, you are needed. Like, come on over. You know, there's there's no shortage of needs. Um, and finances is always one, but there's so many other. And I think in this process, too, of trying to find funding, um, we've gotten so many more no's than we have yes. And, and that's okay, because if people don't resonate with the idea, then it's not the right funder. So I just feel grateful for, um, for Hawaii People's Fund continuing to recognize the importance of the work and for Native Books and Atherton and all those others who have contributed whatever they can. And for all of the, the on-the-grounds people who gave what they did, you know, we're, we're just going to keep, keep chugging along. And I, I got to bring my Auntie Manu in because this is a good reminder for me because whenever I'm feeling like it has to happen now, it has to be done tomorrow, I always think about... Um, something that she shared with me, which is things of quality have no fear of time. So Namakokaina's work is timeless. Well put, well put. It is. <laughs> uh, well, mahalo nui to both of you so much for taking the time and sharing the stories and your aloha and your energy today. Um, we're so grateful for, for this conversation. Yeah, mahalo nui. All of the ways that you're nourishing. So wonderful. My, my, my mahalos to Hawaii People's Fund, not only for their recent support for this effort, 
for archiving, but for all the grants that we got from you folks in the past, you know, we start out with John Wittick giving us a loan to buy a, a broadcast quality camera. And then over the years, we've gotten grants for this or that, and they've uh, always been very welcome and very supportive. Thanks for asking the questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mahalo, mahalo, mahalo. I wish I had microphones like you guys have. Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me and me with additional support from Mickey our theme music is revolutionary from the band Ukla the Mock written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui A big thank you to our community supporters and to you, our audience, for listening. Ahui ho!